0: Love God. Lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. to the word here. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 and 5 is where I want to jump off today. Uh, and we read this last week. We've been in a series called This House. And it says here, coming to him, talking about Jesus, as to a living stone who was rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. And you also, everybody say me, me. as living stones you are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now let's jump over to Ephesians chapter two, 19 through 20. And I wanna use this scripture as well. It says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners. Another word for that is wanderers, but fellow citizens with the saints And members, everybody say members, members Members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for this time that every person here has gone through to get here, Father. They've given you this time. They woke up this morning, they prepared themselves, they got the children ready to come to the house of God and offer you sacrifices. But Father, also when we offer sacrifices, you always show up. And we need you to show up through your word right now and speak to us. Do a paradigm shift in our thinking as it pertains to what it looks like to serve you and bring the blessings that come with that obedience. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And everybody in the house said? Amen. Amen. So we've been in a series called This House, and it really talks about two components. We started the first week talking about what Jesus talked about when he said there's a foolish man and a wise man. The wise man builds his house or his life upon the rock when that rock is significant to the word of God. And you're a wise man when you hear and you do the word and you build your house on that. And he said but there are foolish among you. And he said, the foolish among you are those that hear the word, but don't do it. You're just like people that build house on sand. And many people think he's talking about the, 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 the saint and the sinner, but really he's talking to the saints because he's talking to people that both hear the word. Only one does it. The other doesn't do anything with it. And there's a lot of people in this church. You hear me preach every week, but you don't do a darn thing with it. Don't get mad at me, but the Bible calls you a fool. I didn't call you that. The Bible did. Amen. And so we talked about that. Go on the podcast. You can listen to that on Spotify there. Also, then we, we, we went from that. We went into the book of Joshua, where Joshua made the declaration, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And we talked about the importance of taking a stand in our culture taking a stand in your life, taking a stand in your family that as for me and mine's, South Sac translation, come on. As for me and mine's, we are going to serve the Lord. And you may have had a father that said, "Uh uh-uh, not in this house. Come on, your mom may have raised you and said, "Uh uh-uh, not in this house. See, what she was trying to do is set up a standard for your household. And we talked about why that's important. But before you can ever teach your household, you gotta get it first. Remember Joshua said, as for me, because what I see a lot of times is Christians who have not set a standard for themselves trying to enforce a standard on your kids. Come on somebody, amen? Amen. And if you're wild, you're probably gonna have wild kids. Come on. (laughs) If you're a a whack Christian, your kids are gonna be whack Christians, amen? (laughs) And they just gonna say, mommy, daddy, I'm being just like you. You go to church, but you don't change. You go to church and you still cuss at us. You go to church and your marriage is still whack. And then we get mad when our kids go to church and they're, still at, and they're getting called into the office for smoking weed. And they're getting called into uh, trouble and they're doing this. And we look at them and we go, what are you doing? They're just being like you. Unless, unless you've taken a stand like Joshua and said, as for me, and you begin to apply the word of God to your life and you begin to change first, then you take it into your household because too many of us were raised in homes where mom and dad went to church, but there was no change in them. They talked different at home than they did at church. Can I get an amen? Oh, they may have been a mother at church, but they were something else at home, amen? Uh, And and so we got to get rid of that. And that's what we talked about in that. And then having the understanding of what family values are, we've lost that where there's supposed to be a way that your family thinks and gets down and moves. And everybody with your last name in your family, they have a philosophy of life. They have a philosophy about God. Uh, There's a way we do things in this house. We do not allow people to stay up and smoke weed and uh, -uh, not in this house. You are not gonna listen to that music on my speakers in this house. Oh, come on somebody. you, You gotta have some family values in your household. Now your kids may not like it, but they don't know you're doing them a favor. They just think you're being mean. They just think you won't let them be themselves, but you're trying to teach them that there has to be, a val- there has to be family values. And this is the way we move. And this is the way we, we, we do. And I'm trying to set a place or set a path for you to go. And we've talked about that. And then we left it off on talking about where really every person in here should be building two homes. Every single one of us. But there are some of us that aren't even building one home should be building two homes. The two homes you should be building is the home for you and your family. Does your family reflect the values of Jesus Christ? It's amazing that we think that we, because we prayed a simple prayer and we asked Jesus Christ into our life, that we don't have to live that out. Well, James, the book of James in chapter two says this, faith without works is dead, which means this, faith doesn't work. It won't work. What happens if you try to use your phone and the battery's dead? It's not going to work. It's not going to be able to make a call. What's going to happen if you are saved by faith? You better hope your faith works to save you. But if your faith has no works, it's dead. Maybe it's not even saving you. And the Bible is clear about different times where people will face Jesus one day saying, Jesus, Jesus, and he'll say, I never knew you. Could it be because they never let their faith produce works and therefore doesn't work to save them? Come on, somebody. You don't want to be caught with some dead faith. And so we've got to understand that there has to be some some substance to what we say we believe. And that brings us to today. The the first house, I I should say, let me me go back a minute. The first house we should be building is the house of your family. And it should reflect the ways of God. But every believer should be building a second house, which is the church. Now, in America, this is why we want, I'm asking for a paradigm shift in our thinking. Because if you've been saved in America, you've been taught that you just go to church to get. And I'm going to church, I'm going to get a word. I'm going to go to church, I'm going to get my praise on. And you've been taught that it's just about coming and receiving. But... What we read in first Peter chapter two is that we're building a holy temple. We're building a dwelling place of God where we may offer God spiritual sacrifices. And that's a whole different mindset. That's the understanding that I go to church to give because he's been good to me. See, you don't need to come here to get because according to Jesus, he's given us everything we need in Christ. So our response to that is to come to church to give, to give him praise, to give him worship, to give him offering, to give him tithes. Come on somebody, to give him my service, to give him my gift, to offer it on the altar for what? To build his house. But in America, doctrines of demons that uh, uh second timothy talks about will come in the last days we people have uh, attached themselves to the thinking well i love jesus i just don't go to church i don't believe in it but see that's a doctrine of demons because we were never designed to do life on our own We're designed to do life in community with the rest of the body. Now think about that. The Bible calls believers part of the body of Christ. What good is my finger apart from my body? It's good for nothing. What good is my toe, my my leg, my arm, my eye apart from the body? Good for nothing. What good are you apart from his body? Well, you're out of place and you can't function the way you need to function you can 't grow the way you need to grow, and pretty soon, just like a body part that is separated from the body, you will slowly begin to die. Can I get an amen on that I know it 's a gruesome picture, but the enemy has lied to people and he, and he, and he uses uh, uh, churches that have have fallen short of the standard that the Bible talks about. And we talked about that a little bit in understanding that every church ain't a godly church. Can I get a strong amen on that? Everybody that says I'm a pastor ain't a godly pastor. Yeah, I said it. I'll say it right into the camera. Because we know, we know you got, you got fools calling themselves pastors don't even live by the word themselves. Ripping off the people's tithes, buying gold toilet seats mansions from the... I mean, come on, that ain't godly. Come on, having a, having a side chick and you're a pastor? Married four or five times and still still mess... That, that's, come on, you got to have enough sense to go... The fact that they put pastor in front of their name doesn't mean anything. Jesus himself said this, by their fruits, you'll know them. You know, that's, that's an amazing thing. There's some guys out there with churches five, six times the size of my church, but I wouldn't call them a pastor because of the fruit in their lives. And if you don't believe me, you can watch the news. Come on, and you'll see stuff on there that has gone on in the name of Jesus. But here's what you can't let it do. You can't let those fools influence our, our lives to where we move away from the word of God because those fools have done something and this church did this, I'm not gonna live by the word of God, Uh uh-uh. The word of God is life to me. And so even though those churches and those pastors and those, listen, with everything, there is called, there's a counterfeit, amen? A fugazi, come on somebody. It's fake, there's a real and there's a fake in everything. And Jesus said this, if you just watch closely, if you just watch closely, you'll see people's fruit. He didn't say watch what they drive, how much money they have, watch how much success they have. No, he said, watch their fruit because there's people out there that have more things, but they have less fruit. Can I get an amen? I don't know why am y'all pulling that out of me. Somebody here need to hear that. But let me get back to what I'm talking about. So now we're talking about the second house. The second house we should all be building. Every single believer. You need to hear this. The only thing Jesus is building is the church. That's it. He's not building your ministry. He's not building your business. He's building the church. Now, if your ministry is building the church, he's building your ministry. If your business is building the church, he will build your business. If your family is building the church, then he will build your family. See, the connection that we're supposed to have is to, to what Jesus said he was building. And he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. And so what that blessing pronounces is anything that's lined up with what I'm building will not be stopped by hell. So if I was you, I would connect your business to building the church. If I was you, I would connect your family to building the church. If I was you, I would connect your ministry to building the church because it's the only thing Jesus is doing. Now think about this. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, shouldn't we be doing what he's doing? Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm a follower of Christ and Jesus is like, good, grab a hammer. And you're like, no, 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 I got to go to work. Or no, 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 I'm just going to sit here. And, you're, and Jesus is over here building a structure, and you won't help him. Because you're building your career. You're building your business. Now, now, if that business and if that career is connected to building the house, then you build a way. You go. You get out there after that career. And build the church with it. You say, how do we do that? With every raise you get, you give some to God. With every check you receive, you build the house of God with it. With every new account, you build the house of God. And God will bless you like that. Why? Because the only thing he's building is the church. But here's what we got in America. We got people that want to claim the name of Jesus but not help him do it. If Jesus was in the flesh right now and he was here, wouldn't you, and you saw him laboring to lift the beam and and hammer a nail, what kind of people wouldn't run over there and go, oh, Jesus, let me help you. Let me carry that beam with you. Oh, do I got a, a group of helpers in here or are we a bunch of watchers? Yet in America today, we will go to churches that we don't help, that we don't serve. We will go to churches that we don't give to. And we just think, well, I got my relationship with God. If you're in relationship with God, if you're in relationship with Jesus, you will be doing what he's doing. And what he's doing is building his church. Now look at 1 Peter chapter two, we just read. It makes it clear. You and I have been chosen by God. He calls us precious. And we said this last week, we are living stones. You're a living stone, not a rolling stone, but a living stone. You're not getting stoned, I hope, but you're a living stone. And what is the purpose of that living stone? You know what that purpose is? To build God a spiritual house. That's what it says. Go back to the other scripture, guys. First Peter chapter two. The living stone. You got, that's what you and I are called in this. You're called to be living stones. For what purpose? To just be rocks everywhere? No, the Bible says, there it is to be built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, where we offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So that's what the Bible says. So when you're saved, you need to get involved with what Jesus is doing. Go to work, build your business, but everything we're doing is about building his house. That's what we read in Ephesians chapter 2. We're not wanderers anymore. Go to that one now, guys. We're not wanderers anymore. We're not foreigners anymore, but we're fellow citizens. And this is the main thing he says here. We're members of the household of God. And understanding of this, and see that, that word household has lost its definition in this, in this time and in this era of 2023 because households have been broken apart. We don't really have households as as they're supposed to be anymore. In a household, you're supposed to play a role. That's why parents, it is imperative that you give your children chores, that you teach them in this family, you do things. In this family, you have responsibilities. Some of us didn't grow up like that, I understand. But what that teaches a young person is that if I'm gonna be a member in a family, I must, contribute. And a child that has that mentality will then leave your house and go into society and say, if I'm going to be a part of society, I must contribute. But when some of us didn't have a role growing up, what did we do? We ran to the streets and the streets accepted you. And then when you're on the streets, you thought you could get by without contributing. And instead of contributing, you take away. That's why so many young people are drawn to the street life. Because I could get easy money, fast money, not doing much. But what does the street life get you? Well, it gets you locked up or it gets you killed. Guys, could it be as simple as teaching your kids responsibility when they're young? Come on, mijito can stop watching cartoons for a little while and he could clean his room. But he's tired. He had a hard day at school. Listen, you better teach him now that in a household, we all have responsibilities. And today your household, your responsibility is wash them dishes. Today, your responsibility is to wash them nasty clothes that are in the, in the corner of your room. Come on. So your room stops smelling like patas, man. Amen. Come on. <laughs> smelling like feet. And so we need to teach that because being in a household, everybody plays a role. Everybody plays a role. In society, everybody plays a role. And here's the thing. In the household of God, everybody must play a role. Do you know what your role is? Now, this is why I wanna shift our thinking, right? Because it all comes down to understanding your purpose. When you don't know the purpose of a thing, you abuse a thing. And when you abuse a thing, it doesn't work. Let's track with me here, I'm going somewhere. See, if you don't know what an iPad is for, you can use it for other things. And next thing you know, you're, you're making lunch on it and using it as a cutting board. And you're not getting the effects of this thing because you're misusing it. So there's no power in it. And folks, this is what I've seen happen in America. And I always talk about the American church because the blessing of being able to travel the world is you get to see the overall scope of the body of Christ. And you see that and we understand that in other countries, they pay a price to go to church. Come on, we went to India a few years ago, myself and Pastor Jesse and Esco. And we went to India and we we heard the stories from pastors where where the, the government would come and drag people out of their church and take them to prison. That was the price they would pay to offer God sacrifices. We heard stories where when they get saved in India, they lose their families. Their families disown them. But they still come to the feet of the Father. Listen, I've been places in Malaysia and Indonesia where it's, it's illegal to lead people to the Lord Jesus. They do it anyway. Understanding, if this is the price that I must pay to serve Jesus, let it be. Because they have an understanding of This is what I'm called to do. And in those people's lives, you know what they have? They have powerful manifestations of God's power working in them. You want to know why? Because they're doing what they were created to do. Now, when I use this pad for what it is created to do, it opens up the world to me. I can get information, I can do things with it, I can feel, I can do so much because I'm using it for its purpose. And Satan knows this, so here's what he does to you. He lies to you and he tells you, you don't need to be a part of church. You got your own personal relationship with God. And as long as you have that little re- personal relationship with God, you are gonna be fine. And he gives you one of these. And you go, yeah, I don't need nobody. And you adopt that as doctrine getting away from what the word of God says. The word of God says, our job, we're living stones transformed by Jesus Christ and our purpose is to build his church. See, when you do what you're created to do, there's power. When you remove yourself from what you're supposed to be doing, you're powerless. And I'm tired of seeing Christians that go to church every week and their marriages are jacked up. I'm tired of seeing people go to church every week and they're still broke, busted, and disgusted and can't even be trusted, say, come on. Why is that? Because the power that we're supposed to have is not working because we're out of place. So what I'm trying to do is get a church full of folks that love Jesus Christ, and we'll build his church. Why? Oh, well, you just want a big church. No, because I want to see you blessed. Well, you just want us to work for the church so we could be this, or you could be. No, that's the church you came from that thought like that. My thinking is that you'll be blessed because you're doing what Jesus called you to do. Oh, if you're going to clap, clap. And I'm just telling you, I've seen it in my own life. Am I telling you it's easy? I'm not saying that. It's got a lot of sacrifice involved. But let me just tell you something, I sleep good at night. I sleep good at night. I move through life, my conscience is clear because I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. When tough times hit, I always know I'm gonna make it through because the gates of hell cannot prevail against my family, my marriage, my life, because I'm connected to this blessing and I want that for you because I'm tired of seeing young kids get saved. They're good until they graduate high school and then they backslide. I'm tired of seeing good people that get married and the marriage not last. I'm tired of seeing us take hits from the enemy simply because we don't know his word. That's what it all comes down to. I'm tired of seeing Christians start businesses that flounder out. No, I wanna see your business work. I wanna see you become a millionaire so that when the next Easter outreach is here, we can just go, hey bro, can you write us $10,000 so we could do an outreach? And you could say, no problem, pastor, here's, here's 20,000. Do it upright. Bring in a Ferris wheel this week on me. Give out food on me. I'm just prophesying to somebody in here. Somebody's going to do that someday. Instead of me having to come to every, we need to take another offering up for the outreach. Hey, I'd like to just make a few calls to some of our business people that have been super blessed and say, hey man, we need some help with the outreach. What do you, you pray about it. Who's with me on that? Amen. Amen. But this comes when we're in place because I believe according to the scriptures, it's every believer's job to build his church. Now, when we say his church many times, we get this idea of the universal church. And many of you may not get an opportunity to do those things. And I believe we're all a part of that. But when you look at the translations in the Greek in the book of Acts, many times that word that's translated church is literally talking about the local church. Now, the local church is simply the church you go to, amen? Amen? Amen. It's the church you go to. Now, many of you drove past many churches to come here today. I don't live that far, and I drove by two churches on the way here. And why did I not go to those churches but come here? It's simple, because I believe this is where God has called me. I believe you all drove past all these churches, some of them bigger buildings, some of them more prestigious, some of them with bigger names, but you came here because you know God has called me to be a part of this church. Amen. Amen. So when the scriptures say that I'm a stone being put together for the house of God, you got to know it's the place that number one, he puts you to be. And number two, it is your responsibility to build the church that you are in. And you know, there are many, many different churches or let's keep to our, 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 theme. There are many different houses. I talked about last week, why the church of God is called the house of God. And so we all can't be a part of every house. It's important that we understand that there are different houses. Many times the the, the church gets a a bad name for why there's so many different churches. Well, think about it. There's so many different churches because there are so many different types of people. Do y'all see that? And there should be different styles of church. There should be different emphasis of church because in every house, there should be a specific assignment for that house in the community that it's in. And so I remember when my wife and I had moved to Sacramento, God called us to come from Florida to plant this church. Our biggest question to God was why? Why God, why do you need another church in Sacramento? You got this church, you got that church. Man, God, I know this church is going is good. My brother goes there. I know this church is good. I got a cousin that's going there. There's some great churches in Sacramento. God, why do you need us? And God gave us a very specific vision. And the vision that God gave us was very clear. And what the Lord spoke to us about is he said, I need a house that will produce this. Now, what he commanded us to do, what he spoke to us to do does not make us better, it simply makes us distinct. I wanna be very, very clear about that. Our competition is not other churches, right? Because we're all building the overall church. Can I get an amen on that? If I'm competing against my brothers at this church and that church, then I now have become a stone that is tearing down the overall structure. And I don't want to do that. I have friends in in this community right here. I meet with them about once a month and they pastor other churches and I'm rooting them on. I follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm like, yes, you got a bigger church than me. Yes, you got a building. Yes, praise God. Father, keep blessing those churches. Why? Because I don't want to be somebody that's fighting against what Jesus is building. But as for me in this house, we have a specific vision. And so when we prayed and say, God, why do you need another church? God began to speak something very succinct and very clear. And I haven't preached about this in, in a while. I usually try to do it every year or so because there's so many new people. But I want to talk to you about this house and what makes us significant. What is our vision? What is our mission? Now, the sweatshirt that I'm wearing today is what we have made concise the vision of this house which is to produce disciples that love God and lift others. And we get this from when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He made it very clear. The greatest commandment is that you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second, he said, the second commandment is exactly like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. That translates into love God and love people. But when we heard it in our spirit, God says, I want you to build disciples that will love God and lift others. And so I asked God, why lift and not love? He said, because this generation has lost the meaning of love. They think you can love people without doing anything for them. And that's not love. He took me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which talks about what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Come on, love is uh, not easily provoked. Love is unoffendable. Ooh, I wish I could get a church full of unoffendable people, come on. But see, that's what love is. And so when he gave us the, 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 the phrase, love God, lift others, he said, I want you to use this word lift because it denotes that it's gonna take some effort. I can't lift you without exerting some strength. I can't lift you without feeling a little pain. Come on, how many goes to the gym in here? If you go to the gym, it, it's you're not giggling lifting those weights. <laughs> you're going, Ugh! and that pain produces something in you. Lifting people hurts a little bit. We got this outreach coming up, right? And it's not just a one day thing. We're gonna have teams that have to get, we get together weeks before one, usually it's a, a craft or a creative night. We say, everybody come out for an hour and a half. We're gonna build our structures and things for the outreach and people come every week for about five or six weeks. They're, they're at the church house exerting energy when they could be home doing other things because it hurts a little bit. Why? Because it's what's gonna to take to lift this community. And then in a few weeks, brace yourselves, y'all. I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna say, hey, we gotta do this outreach. It's gonna cost us about $8,000 or so. And so we wanna receive an offering. I wanna ask you to pray. What can you do? What can you do specifically to help us put this outreach on? And you're gonna sit there and you're gonna pray and you're gonna have to go into your finances. And you might even get into an argument with your spouse about it. Come on, somebody she, I can't give that, baby. God told me to give that. Well, how are we gonna do? I don't know, and is, you, there's gonna be some uh, lifting. But that's what it takes to lift people. See, it takes some effort. And so this isn't just a nice slogan. This isn't just a nice you know, marketing scheme. This is our vision in a nutshell. Let me, let me read you what the vision is. You can put it on the screen there, guys. Basically, our vision is to win the lost. First and foremost, y'all, we gotta win the lost and bring change to our communities by making disciples who will love God and lift others from the neighborhood to the nations guys, I, I recognize sometimes you come in here and I'm all up in your mix. I make it uncomfortable sometimes. You're always going to hear me say, serve. You're always going to hear me say, give. You're always going to hear me say, pray. You're always going to hear me say, go bring people to church. I'm always, and you're going to be like, dang, every time I come to church, trying to tell me what to do. I don't like this church. Well, there's a place called Comfort Christian Center That may be the church for you, but let me just tell you something about Comfort Christian Center. Nobody changes. There's no power. When you're sick, there's no healings. You got devils, devils don't come out there. Addictions aren't broken there. You may want a church like that, but can I just help you today? This ain't that church. But there's probably a church out there for you that will allow you to just come, do nothing and not change. But tell your neighbor, this ain't it though. This ain't it. And guys, I can't apologize for that. I can't. Because the vision that God gave us, the only reason we exist. Because I said, God, why do you need another church? He said, I need a group of body of believers that will do this, win the lost, bring change to their communities by making disciples who will love God and lift others from the neighborhood to the nations. I could tell you in 13 years, we've done our best to do just this. But the next 13 years, we got to kick it up a notch because we're not going to change this community at the rate we're going. Your life's not going to change at the rate we're going. We've got to adopt this vision and we first and foremost have to adopt our mission to build his house. Every single one of us in here has to say, God, I'll do my part. And that's the beauty of it all, right? If we all just do our part, it begins to go easy. Have you ever tried to lift a couch on your own and kill yourself doing it? But if I got this person, that person, and this person and that person, it's easy. That's what we're looking for. Because when we build God's house, God builds your house. When you yoke your business to God's house, it now is God's business. And don't you think he's gonna bless what is his? And so this is the vision, we must build this house. What does it look like to build this house? Well, that's what I wanna give you in the the remaining time that we have today, is what are, if this is a house, what are our family values? Because I'm just gonna tell you, our family values at this house, may be different than the church you used to go to because that's another house and they have their mission and their reason for existing. You can't leave that. And here's the problem with American Christians, right? They think all church is the same. It's not. Well, you know, this pastor made me mad. I'm gonna go over here to this church. It doesn't work like that. If God wants you here, he wants you here because that's where he's gonna meet you bless you, grow you up. But when you're, because you're supposed to be a stone, right? Stone, last time I checked, stone don't have feet. Rocks don't have feet. Rocks go wherever the person puts them. You and I are living stones, granted, but God still places us. But here's what happens. All the enemy's got to do is get you a little upset, a little offended. I ain't going to this church no more. I'm gonna go to this church. And God is like, "What what, what, what are you doing over there? I put you here. I got a place for your gifts, your abilities. I got friendships here that are gonna change your life. I've got people here that you're supposed to bless. And you're over there. See, we don't think like that. You wanna know why? Because we still think we're in control. When we truly understand what it means to be saved, it means that I no longer live but Christ lives in me. Therefore, he tells me where to go. He tells me what to do. And if I let him, he'll tell me what to think. And all those things will amount in blessing. But see, first, you've gotta first understand your purpose. So let me give you the family values of, of, of Elevate Life Church in the time that I got left with you. Because as I said, it's a house, It's got a vision. These are the values, okay? I haven't done this in a little while, so I want you to write these things down because I'm telling you who you are. If God has called you to be a part of this house, this is who we are. This is how we get down. This is how we roll, amen? Y'all ready for this? I should start with, in this house, we say amen. That's not my first one, but that, that, I, should, I should put that in there. Because you know what amen means? So be it. The word always needs agreement to manifest. Here's another reason you should say amen. Because truth demands a response. If I give you truth and you don't respond, you didn't get truth. If you hear truth at the word, you should take a response, doing the word. Right, yeah. Well, you sit there. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Let me give you the first family value. You ready? Number one, write this down. We are lovers of the word. Yes. Amen. We are lovers of the word. Tell your neighbor right now, I love the word. <laughs> See, some of you had a struggle with that. <clears throat> Pastor, don't get me up here lying. Don't get me up here lying. I can't do it. Now, listen, remember when the Bible says that we can declare something as though it was? We could speak things into existence. Did you know when I was coming up, that's how I got myself to love the word? I would first be in my bedroom and say, I love the word of God. I enjoy reading the word. It's not boring to me. It's a lie. I would say that to myself when I first got saved because can I tell you what was really happening in my reality? It was boring. I didn't understand it. It didn't make no sense. And so every time before I'd read the Bible, I'd say, God, I need you to help me right now. And I just declare over my soul, I love the word of God. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for your word. And I would say these things over and over and I would create a hunger in me by my words. So tell the guy that you just ignored on the other side of you, I love the word of God. Tell him. I love the word of God, and I want you to declare that over your life because at Elevate Life Church, one of our goals here is that we get you to love God's word. Do y'all notice how I preach? Do y'all notice how many scriptures I use? I don't do TED Talks at this church. I'm not gonna come and encourage you. I'm gonna preach to you. I'm gonna teach to you. I'm gonna give you at least three scriptures every week that you're gonna be able to take home and get some understanding and get in the Word. Because I'm trying to do what your dope dealer did to you. Yeah. Say it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Trying to get you addicted to His Word. Now, I, I wanna be light, I wanna be light. I wanna be light on that because I really can't get you addicted. Because listen to this now, I've, I've heard preachers say this before addicted to Jesus. No, the Holy Spirit will never addict you. We always have free choice. So if you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to addict you, no, no, he ain't gonna do that. He wants you to pick him. But I just use that analogy so that you understand because some of you, when I said that, you're like, okay, I got it. See, they gave you a little, they gave you a taste. Man, and you liked it and you kept going back. That's my hope As I keep giving you the word. You'll like it. And not that you'll keep coming back to me, but you'll keep going back to his word. We gotta be lovers of the word. And let me tell you why. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, 33. Jesus tells us this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you want shall be added to you. Here's how we do it in America. We seek first all the things and then we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me give you an example. That's why some of you only come once or twice a month because you're busy doing all the things and when you have leftover time, you seek his kingdom and his righteousness. The average attendance of a churchgoer in America is one to two weeks a month. Because we're all busy doing all the other things. I want to be a success. I want to have a good marriage. I want to have a strong business. I want this. I want that. I want this. And Jesus says, hey, 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 hey. Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. And then I'll add all that stuff to you. Are y'all seeing this? If we keep following the culture, we'll always have this backwards. And then we don't have time for God. We don't have time to gather with the saints. We do that on the side. When your number one thing you should be seeking is the kingdom of God. Now, what does that have to do with the word of God? Well, we know if you've gone to this church, the kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. It's God, it's it's basically how heaven works. If you wanna get heaven into your life, These are the things you do. That's the kingdom of God. It's the system of the kingdom of God. Where do we find it? In his word, which is why we love the word of God. Because his word tells me how to bring heaven on earth, heaven into my marriage, heaven into my business, heaven into my life, my church, everything I'm doing. But he says, but you gotta keep it first. And as a pastor, I see too much. We got, it, we got it flipped. We're reading this thing like, seek all these things and then seek the kingdom of God. Just, just turn that around, y'all. Put God first. And the way you do that, seek his word. Study his word. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to, be pres- to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Listen to this, rightly dividing, or rightly studying the word of truth. You gotta read his word. You gotta read his word. If you go to church here, we're gonna make you a lover of the word. We're gonna make you a lover of the word. We're gonna keep bringing you the word. If you come see me in a counseling session, I'm gonna give you the word. If you make an appointment to talk to my wife, we're gonna give you the word. We're gonna get you the word, the word, the word. Why? Because we need the word. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom." If I could teach you the word, your life can change. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. God has, listen to this, y'all. God has transmitted, and this is in the TPT, the Passion Translation, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture, for it is God-breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction and give you strength. Everybody say strength. strength. To take the right direction and lead you deeper into the paths of godliness. For then you will be God's servant, fully mature, and listen to this, perfectly mature, prepared to fulfill any assignment that God gives you. I'm going to say that last part again. Perfectly preparing you to fulfill any assignment God gives you. This is why we love the word. Because here's the thing. We're failing at stuff and then blaming God. We're failing at things and then saying, God, where are you? We're failing. Listen, I believe sometimes it's because we are not in the word because the word will mature me and prepare me to fulfill any assignment that God gives me. So God gave me the assignment one day to marry Pastor Tina. And I knew right away I can't do this without you, God. Because if I'm to be a good husband to her, I'm gonna need to die to self. I'm gonna need to change the way I think about life. I'm, need to, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to change what I know about love. Are you tracking with me? I cannot fulfill this assignment to be a good husband to her without the word. And can I tell you a little secret? Neither can you. I know you're trying. But if God truly gave you that wife, fellas, you can't do it without Him. But that's why the Word perfectly prepares us to fulfill any assignment that God gives you. We got some new dads in the house dads that didn't have a dad. Now God gives you a human or two to raise and be the most important figure that they'll ever have in their lives. You can't do it without the word. I can't do it without the word, but I have confidence that if I get in the word, it will perfectly prepare me to fulfill any assignment that God gives me. God calls you to start a business and you ain't never started a business. But if I could get you to love God's word, his word tells us his word can perfectly prepare me to fulfill any assignment that God gives me. And God has called me to start this business. I need his word to do it. Are you tracking with me? You would be crazy not to fall in love with the word like this. But it also says his word can correct me. Why is your pastor trying to get you to to fall in love with God's word so that you'll read it and it'll correct you so I don't have to? Come on, let's save all the drama. Because see, if I got to correct you, then you get mad at me. Smile at me, church. Well, who does he think he is trying to correct me? Fool, I don't want to correct you. If you just read the Bible, I don't have to correct you like that. And then we could be cool. You could grow old in this church and raise your kids in this church. But because you don't read the Bible, I got to pull you in my wife's got to pull you somebody on on your team's got to pull you in and we got to correct you and then you get mad i learned something a long time ago you ready for this go change your life right here i'd rather god correct me in private that's just me that's just me come on you want to get your spankings at home not in walmart That's just me. That's just me. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you love the word. Tell him, tell him. I'm almost done here with these, these next ones. Look at this. God is in every scripture is what it says there in in second Timothy chapter three. I love the way it puts it. God has transmitted his very substance into the scripture. It goes along with what it says in John chapter one, that in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. Guys, Jesus and the word, they're one. When I read the Bible, I'm getting a little bit of Jesus in me every day. A little bit of Jesus to help me fulfill the call, a little bit of Jesus to help me say no to sin. Come on, somebody. A little bit of Jesus that helps me keep my eyes right when I'm at the gym. Oh, come on, fellas. I'm trying to help you here today. A little bit of Jesus that just keeps me right, keeps me faithful to my wife, keeps me faithful to my husband, keeps me from beating my kids down. Come on, when they mess up. A little bit of word. Come on. That's what it says there. It also says it gives me strength to stay on the right path. To stay on the right path. That's what I get from the word. So why would I not love the word? God is in every scripture. The word empowers me by its instruction and its correction. It gives me the strength to obey God and do what's right. It matures me and it prepares me. And look what it says in Psalms 119, 11, Your word I have hidden in my heart. And here it is, that I might not sin against you. Some of us in here have been struggling with pornography for years. You need to get the word of God in your heart. Some of you have been struggling with addiction and you do good and you fall back. Listen, there might be some other things you need to do. I get that. There's more steps to it. But what if you could just get the word of God in your heart? The Bible says it'll cause us to not sin against God. Man, you know what? There's actually some statistics. I don't have them out here. Maybe I'll get them for you next week. The difference that happens in your life when a person just spends time in the word of God 15 minutes a day. They have statistics that show how the marriages are how the success rate is. Some of you that were at the marriage conference, we heard that uh, in one of the messages there when they did research on a guy that served God and lived by the word and the guy that didn't and how up to, I don't remember how many generations it was, but you saw what this life produced and what this life produced. Could it be as simple as falling in love with the word? I wanna make that our number one priority here. I wanna get you, I wanna give you a taste of the word and get you excited about the word because the changes you want are in the word. That's why Jesus says, man, before you do anything else, just seek the word, just seek the kingdom of God because if you could seek that, I'll give you the success. I'll give you the great business. I'll give you the great marriage. Just don't put none of that stuff ahead of seeking this. Amen? His word will change your heart so you don't sin. And then the last one I wanna leave you with is Romans chapter 12, one and two. I love this, this scripture right here. He says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercy of God. Basically he's begging you that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God because it's your reasonable service. Translation, it's what we're supposed to do. It's nothing special. Jesus saved you, died on the cross, took away your sins, rose from the dead to give you eternal life and access into the family of God. The reasonable response is to lay down your life now. That's what he's saying. And he says this, and don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love the word here, transformed. Because we got too many people, we'd laugh. And we we want to keep our old life around. No, the old you has to die. And we got people walking around, you know, I'm I'm saved, but I'm still hood. I'll cut you, you know. (laughs) I'm wearing t-shirts. I saw a t-shirt like that. I'm saved, but I'm not that saved, you know. And we laugh. Aha, that's great. Now, listen, if, if you get to meet the old Sergio, I've failed you. If the old Sergio comes out in my marriage, I've failed. If the old me comes out on my kids, I have failed. I, it, is my job to, it is my job to make sure that person is dead. But some of us, we keep it alive and we joke about it. <laughs> no, listen, the Bible can transform you if it can renew your mind. I say it all the time. You, some of you knew me before I was saved. I could never do this. The old me could never be up here preaching to you. The old me had to die, had to die. What would happen if the old you were to die? I know for a fact, God, he didn't just change me, he transformed me. The actual word there is metamorphosis. Have you ever compared a caterpillar to a butterfly? What's interesting about the cocoon process is the butterfly or the, uh, the caterpillar doesn't just grow wings. See, that's what we think. He goes in the caterpillar and he gets wings. No, the literal caterpillar breaks down into a sludge. Come on, pay attention in your science classes, y'all. It breaks down into a ooze. Doesn't even, it's not even a bug anymore. But through the metamorphosis, it becomes a brand new creature. But you got to get in that cocoon. You know what that cocoon is? The word of God. The word of God. And see, some of us, we're, we're trying to be the same us, but with wings. I'm trying to be the old me, but I got a business. I'm trying to be an old me, but married. I'm trying to be the old me, but raise good kids. No, That thing's gotta become sludge and you come out of it a whole new creature. Are you tracking with me today? Be transformed by the word of God. So one of the number one values of this house is we're lovers of the word. Tell your neighbor, get used to saying it, tell him again. I'm a lover of the word. Come on. Somebody said, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Wrong, wrong, you got it wrong. You're a lover of the word. The old you was a lover, not a fighter. Come on. The new you loves the word of God. The second value of the house that you have to have here and that we're believing to produce in you is that we pray. Come on. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, we pray. Pray. Tell your other neighbor, "I I pray. I know you don't. I know you don't. I know you don't. That's why I had you say that because the majority of Christians, listen to me now, it's not just y'all. The majority of Christians don't pray. They don't pray. They may pray over their food and they may pray when they go to bed at night, but they don't have prayer lives. And so when we planted this church, the Lord, one of the things he had us make sure that we do with our disciples is teach them to pray. So next month we're gonna have sign ups. Do a, a, I don't even wanna call it a class. Cause you can't, I learned long ago from a Nigerian bishop, actually he's from Ghana, Bishop Duncan Williams. He said this, cause you know, we were at a church there and if you've never been to Africa, I'm telling you, 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 gotta, you, gotta, you gotta experience God through the lens of these other, of what he's doing globally. And in all the nations that I've been to, nobody prays like Africans. My God, Africans can pray. It's a beautiful thing when you get outside of America and you experience the church in Asia and Central America. Like Central Americans, Hispanics, I'ma just tell you, nobody worships like Hispanics. You go to Central and South America, oh, the presence of God will come in the room and everybody's crying, Ay Dios mío. I'm serious. It's like whoa. South America knows how to worship. But let me tell you something about Africans. You go to, I went the first time I got exposed to Africans in prayer. I seriously left that prayer meeting going, Jesus, I'm not saved. Teach me how to pray. I don't know what I'm doing. And so we met this guy and, 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 and we, want, we, talk, we said, could you come to our church and impart the spirit of prayer? And he goes, yes, we will have all night prayer. And our pastoral team was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Easy, easy, easy. We thought he would come and just teach on prayer. And our pastor's like, could you just come on? He goes, prayer is not taught. It is caught. And let me tell you something. Yeah, let me tell you something. We prayed from six at night to 6 a.m. in strong tongues all night long. And it was funny, we had some folks that came from other churches and if any of you remember growing up, some uh, churches would have uh, all night the helias and stuff where you come and you bring all night prayer and and, and these people brought sleeping bags and snacks and stuff and they said, put that stuff away, put that in the back room, none of y'all are sleeping tonight. We're gonna seek God. And nobody slept that night because you couldn't sleep as loud as that prayer was. And we prayed and we sought God for twice. It was amazing. It taught me so much about prayer. Next month, I wanna, wanna, we're gonna have signups. Anybody that wants to learn how to pray, I'm gonna open up my prayer life to you. I told you at at the end of last year, I was talking to somebody and he was saying, you know, I've been saved 10 years, but nobody's ever taught me to pray. He didn't go to this church, but it hit my spirit. And I said, Lord, I never want it to be that somebody comes to our church and I never gave them the opportunity to learn how to pray. We don't go there. Why? Because we want to produce disciples that pray. Because we pray. Can I tell you real quick, just give me a couple of minutes Why we pray. Number one, Matthew 21, 13, Jesus himself said this, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus himself said, prayer is essential for the house. He's quoting Isaiah 56, seven. You can look at that on the screen. He says, even them, I will bring to my holy mountain, which is the church. And I will make them joyful in my house of prayer their burnt offerings and their sacrifices, there it is again, will be acceptable on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Remember we're building two houses, your house and the house of God. We must learn to pray. And then it says in James chapter five, verse 16, confess your trespasses one to another, pray for one another that you may be healed. And listen to this, this is the other reason we need to pray because the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man Avails, or another word for that is does much, accomplishes much. What would happen if you learned to pray? What would happen to your marriage? What would happen to your life? What would happen to your kids? Because you know why I'm here? I had praying grandparents. I had praying parents. And there's a lot of things I'm walking in that I didn't pray for, they did. I remember going to my grandparents' house. And I remember hearing my grandfather pray for us on both sides. My grandfather that was a pastor prayed and I remember going to see my grandfather on my dad's side. And, and they would tell me, cause I didn't, a lot of it was in Spanish. And I remember my aunt telling me, you know what he's praying for? He's praying for missionaries, missionaries. Guys, I've been to over 40 different nations. And some of that I prayed for, but some of that my grandfather was seeding the spirit. And he was saying, send him. Five years ago, I had the opportunity to take my dad in his eighties to the Philippines with me. And he looked over at me and he said, you know what's so funny, son? I said, what? He said, your grandfather prayed for missionaries. He said, I never thought I would be one. 81 years old, he went with me to the Philippines. Because somebody prayed, because somebody prayed, what would happen to your kids if they prayed? Could it be that it'll be your your prayers that keep them from marrying some knucklehead? Could it be your prayers that gets them into the college that they need to go to? What would happen if you just pray? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. These are just two of the family values of this house. If you go to this church, we're gonna do everything we can to get you to fall in love with God's Word. I don't do TED Talks here. I'm not just gonna come in here and give you platitudes. The Lord's gonna bless you, and He's gonna turn it around in the midnight hour, and He's gonna help you. What's the Word say? I'm not just going to get in here and prophesy about you. Oh, and the Lord says this and the Lord says that. We love prophecy. We believe in prophecy. But man, we're going to get you turned on to the Word of God. But you got to do your part. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the Word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.